The, uh, say thank you to all of our Connect Kids workers and all our nursery workers who so faithfully volunteer and bless you this morning as you go along with our children this morning to our Connect Kids program. You are dismissed at this time. And uh, if you're visiting with us, we do have Sunday school or a nursery program this morning, and you're certainly invited to be, to be a part of that. Praise God. The Lord is faithful. Turning to Ephesians this morning, book of Ephesians, book of Ephesians. It's, uh, every once in a while we give, we give prayer requests and we ask for people to remember folks in prayer and we say there's, uh, there's follow-up for tests and things, different things need to be done and sometimes we, get, uh, sometimes we don't get great reports, unfortunately. Sometimes we do get good reports and thankful to be able to say that Ellen this week got a really good report and so Helen, we congratulate you this morning and your family and we rejoice with you. God is good. And everybody say amen. He's good to that. Praise God. It's very important to return thanks to the Lord. Praise him. Amen. Well, this morning I, I'm really a sufferer. I, I have a bad neck anyway. I, I had a, some neck issues for years. But yesterday evening I was taking the blessed, blessed dog for a walk. <laughs> Any visitors there, you know I got a blessed dog. And he's... And my wife usually walks him, but I, I said, we're going to go down, blessed dog, by the uh, industrial area. And we walked down the industrial park in behind where Philip got uh, some, from some of his, his gear there. And we walked down. There's a little embankment there. And the blessed dog, he likes to run. <laughs> and as we come near the embankment, I was singing away. I'm always singing on the trail. I don't know if I'm trying to entertain anybody or ward off the bears. I'm not sure what I'm doing, but I'm singing on the trail. I was singing away. And lo and behold, the blessed thing, seen a squirrel. And just like something out of a movie, boy. Uh, if it was a movie camera there, it wouldn't have been, I'd, I think I'd be rich this morning. If it was YouTube, I'd be gone viral. I'd be gone viral. He made the dart for this squirrel. And he's strong as a bear, you know. And I'm <clears throat> almost 200 pounds, but anyway, <laughs> I couldn't hold him. I was halfway down over the embankment when he seen the squirrel and he took off. And here I go as headlong. <laughs> Pastor Bill, if you've seen it, you would have cried. You would have cried. And I got my hip skinned out and I got my neck hurt. And I got up and I'll be, I mean, confession is good for the soul. The very first thing come to my mind was, I'm going to kill you. <laughs> yeah. And he looked at me like, the squirrel is gone, the squirrel is gone. <laughs> Let me go. And I had the rock in one hand, and I was saying, Lord, what should I do? And, but I didn't kill him. And I, but I didn't pray for him either, put it that way. So. But I, I'm a little stiff this morning. Anybody ever had an experience like that? Anybody? Huh? Not quite like that, right? But boy, I tell you, it's hard going. It's pretty serious. Pastor Bill, you want to preach this morning? You got on, sir. Anyway, we'll get moving. Amen. Let's pay attention to the word of the Lord today and do our best to give attention to God's word. We're continuing on with a series, and those of you that have been here for the first few sermons, you'll continue to listen and, and grow together. If any of you have missed them, we do, uh, we do publish our sermons on our website, and uh, you, can, uh, you can go in and you can listen to, to these sermons. And it's not, uh, that's not done so that we can say, I don't have to go to church. <laughs> that's, not, that's not the way it goes. Uh, we, coming to church is very important, but it's done so that any of you can't come and have opportunity to be able to listen 
And I know others available, many people available of that who are living away and, and different, different things. So, amen. We'll give God's word our attention today. I was thinking about a story I heard a while ago, a nice while ago now, a number of years ago, about a guy who was watching television. And, uh, and um, back up a little bit, uh, he went to see the doctor. He went to see the doctor, and his dog pulled him down over a cliff. No, he never was. He went to see a doctor, and he had a problem. He had two of his ears burnt really badly. It was a very serious problem. And the doctor asked him what happened, and he said, I was watching television. I was watching television. The doctor said, well, you burn your ears watching television. He said, well, he said, my wife, he said, uh, I was watching the ball game. He said, and uh, it was a very important ball game, he said, very big ball game. It might have been a hockey game. It might have been Montreal playing. I don't know. But he said, uh, and I was really engulfed into it. My wife was talking to me, and she was ironing clothes next to me. And he said, uh, and she happened to be talking to the telephone at the same time. The telephone was on the ironing board. She said she left the room, left the iron on, telephone rang. I was so engrossed in the game, I reached up and grabbed the iron and put the iron on my ear. The doctor said, well, that explains one ear, but what about the other ear? He said, not two minutes later, the same guy called back again. I said, so... <laughs> that's really engulfed, right? That's really engulfed in the sports. <laughs> that's really engulfed in the game. And so I, I hope and pray we can be as engulfed this morning in the Word of God and we can give attention to the Word of God. Last number of weeks we've been going through the book of Ephesians and we've been talking about uh, some of the functions and personal roles of the Holy Spirit as outlined in the book of Ephesians as instructed by Paul. We, we talk about the importance of the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, it's good that I go away, because if I go away, I'll send you the Comforter, I'll send the Holy Spirit. So the ministry of the Holy Spirit in our services, in our Christian walk, in our lives in general is so important, so important. And the Bible says that we should covet and we should be very serious about the functions and the roles of the Holy Spirit in our, in our lives. We talked about maintaining the unity of the Spirit from the book of Ephesians. We talked about don't grieve the Holy Spirit. We preached a sermon on the Holy Spirit's use of the Word of God. That was our last time together. Uh, that was two weeks ago. Last week we paused for Thanksgiving and we had a sermon on Thanksgiving this morning. I want to talk to you about the command to be filled with the Holy Spirit, the command to be filled with the Spirit. And then next time we're together, we're going to talk about praying in the Spirit, praying in the Spirit. Uh, Ephesians tells us in Ephesians 5 and 18, it says, don't get drunk with wine for that is debauchery. That's a, great old, that's a great old word, debauchery. It simply means revelry. It simply means excess. But be filled with the Spirit. But be filled with the Spirit. Let's read the portion of Scripture uh, from uh, Paul's writing to the Ephesians, starting to read at verse 15 of chapter 5. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity. Because the days are evil, and yes, they are. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Speak to one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual psalms. We've done that, all, we've done that here this morning. That's what we're, what we're doing in worship time. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord. Always give thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Submit to one another out of reverence to Christ. Turn back for, for a moment, just a, 
as a, as a reference there to the moving of the Spirit and the filling of the Spirit and, and some of the effects of it. Let's read Acts chapter 2, and very familiar passage. Let's read the first couple of verses. Acts chapter 2. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a loud, a loud sound, like a blowing of a violent wind, came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seems to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Praise God. And we see in the book of Acts, tremendous outworking uh, of the ministry, uh, the apostles after the infilling of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit-filled life is God's plan for all of us. The Spirit-filled life is God's plan for you this morning. Some of you have bought into that and some of you understand it some of you may not have bought into it but it's God's plan for every born again child of God it is only when a child of God lives under the control of the Holy Spirit that he or she is able to produce then the, the fruit the fullness of the fruit of the Spirit and labor in the power of the Spirit as we are instructed in the Word of God to do it is better, it is better for us to, to have a good understanding of this and an outworking of this than it is for us to ignore it to ignore it, we do at our own peril. And the church's effectiveness is seriously hindered when we ignore the working of the Spirit and the filling of the Spirit. There are, there are, some, uh, there are some statements I want to make. Some, um, you can call them assumptions, if you will, but they're all based upon the teaching of God's Word and as outlined in Ephesians and other texts. But I want to make these statements as I get and move towards the, the main body of my message this morning. Number one, every believer has received the seal of the Holy Spirit. We've talked about this over and over again in all the messages that I've preached, which indicates God's ownership and identifies us as children of God. Every believer has received the seal of the Holy Spirit. We are sealed with the Spirit. We respond to His leading, and we are saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit draws us, and that drawing is our, is our seal. Every sincere believer can receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 2 and 38 tells us that. Peter gives us the kind of the, the, the formula here, and he kind of gives us the traditional and the accepted way of, of going about this. First of all, Peter said, you should repent. You should repent. Uh, if you are here this morning and you have not repented of your sins, then you have not received, and you, you can't really receive the fullness of the work of the Spirit in your life. Repentance comes first. We should repent. Then Peter says we should be baptized. And his second commandment here in the book of Acts chapter 2 is not baptism in the Holy Spirit. It's rather water baptism. That's the general formula. Repentance, water baptism. Then Peter says, and then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So it's not always this way in Scripture. There are some incidents and there are some places where this formula doesn't work, uh, work, but it's a general way of going about it, and it's usually the way it transpires in the Word of God. Repentance, water baptism, and then receiving the fullness of the, of the Holy Spirit. So every believer can receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Every believer can be filled with the Holy Spirit. Every believer. And can someone say amen to that? Every one of us. Every one of us. Every believer is commanded to be continually filled with the Holy Spirit, as we read in the Scripture. Continually, it's, and in the original Greek means that it doesn't just happen once, it goes on. And you continue to be filled with the, with the Holy Spirit. It's not a one-time event. 
It's not a one-time event that transpires at an altar, somewhere in the service, or, or somewhere in your own prayer closet where you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the initial evidence of speaking in other tongues. It's not a one-time event. And then you go on, you say, I've received the Spirit, but we are to be continually filled with the Spirit. It's an everyday thing. It's an everyday thing. Let me say, we won't be, as I said at the beginning, we won't be effective as believers, and we need the filling and the continuous infilling of the Holy Spirit in this day and age in which we live. Every believer is continually commanded to be filled with the Spirit. It's an everyday thing. As you get up in the morning, as you begin your daily walk, as you begin your daily prayer time, you should pray, Lord, fill me afresh today with the Holy Spirit. Let me walk in the fullness of the Spirit every, every day. A few points about being filled with the Spirit. A few points. First of all, a little bit of the context here. It's an interesting, as you study the Word of God, you, you get the layout and you get the context and of what Paul wrote. Paul said, don't get drunk with wine wherein is, is excess or wherein is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. There was a group of people, and everywhere Paul went, Paul seemed to have to contend with these people, the Gnostics he had to contend with, and other people that taught, taught heresies in churches. And he, in the Ephesian church, there was a group of people known as the, as the cult of Dionysus. And these people were gaining some pre, preeminence and predominance, and they had a lot of things to say, and, and they, were, they were trying to get a foothold in the church, and they certainly had a foothold in the city of Ephesus. And this cult believed that deliverance or salvation, quote-unquote, could be found through the use of, of mind-altering drugs, including alcohol. Imagine that. Deliverance or salvation from things that were happening in your life, depression, disappointment, grief, failure, monotony, drabness, can be found through the artificial life, quote-unquote, small s, in the spirit. <laughs> in the spirit. Now, I thought about that as I read it, and I, I said, you know, it's not a lot unlike what it is today. You know, we're battling with the same sort of things today. I remember years ago, I, I pastored in, in, uh, in the city, St. John's, pastored in Mount Pearl. I remember there was a group of people that were, that were having some things to say uh, at that time. That was 20, 20, almost 25 years ago now. And they, were, they, were, they made the statement that, you know, if you... <laughs> it's almost prophetic, really, in, in, in some ways, where we are now in our, our world. You smoke marijuana and you get high and you'll be closer to the Lord. That's basically what they were saying. And, and they were, you know, pe people were foolish enough to believe that silliness. We had Prime Minister now that believes that, for goodness sakes. Half of Canada, it's, it's craziness where we've gone. It's, it's, almost, it's almost like it's, uh, we're living in a dream world. Like I said, we've fallen down the rabbit hole. And, you know, and, and the, word, you know, the world, the more things change, the more things remain the same. These people believe that. These people believe that, this cult believe that, you know, you can drown your grief, you can drown your failures, you can drown your monotony, you can drown the drabness of your life through an artificial intoxicant. And, and let me say, let me say this, it's never worked, and it never will work. It never, it never worked, and it never will work. Paul, the Bible says we shouldn't get drunk with wine. We shouldn't get drunk with wine, which leads to debauchery, but we should be filled with the Spirit. And it's a great admonishment for us. And it's a great insert for us here on, in this sermon for us to say, friends, you, we don't need to have anything to do with a, with a phony replication. We have the life of the Spirit. We don't need, we don't need uh, the intoxicants of this world. We don't need uh, the abuse of alcohol. And I would go so far as to say that Christians should be total abstainers from the use of alcohol. I believe that with all my heart, and as your pastor, I believe that. And I know that we're struggling in that area, and, and many people are struggling, and many people are trying to split airs and trying to get as close to the world as they can. And, and, you know, we don't need closeness to the world. We need distance, and we need the life of the Spirit. And I would encourage you as your pastor, don't have anything to do with it.
Don't, have any, don't believe the lies of, 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 being, of drowning yourself and, and of trying to be as close to the world as possible without with still, being, still trusting God. I believe in grace. I believe in mercy. I believe in all those things. But we don't need these false intoxicants. We don't need it. And I go a little bit further. I go a little bit further. Friends, you know, we, we live in a world I know where it's accepted and I know it's, and the use, and, and it's going to be more accepted. As believers, we must be very careful in how we conduct ourselves. We must be very careful. And it's the life of the Spirit that we need, not the life of the flesh. It's the life of the Spirit, not the life of the flesh. And you go a little bit further with that. You go a little bit further with that. In our world today, it's not just the improper use of alcohol or use of alcohol, but it's the improper use of drugs. And, and I know that there's a lot, lot of struggling in this area and a lot of problem in this area. But I look around and I see even the improper use of prescription drugs. And I go so far as to say, even in our own, in our own ranks as believers, we must be very careful in these areas. We must be very careful in these areas. It's the life of the Spirit that we need. You know, notice I said improper use of it, improper use of it. There's a proper way to use it and an improper way to use it, you know? So we must be full of the Spirit. We must be full of the Spirit. And Paul said to seek for the power uh, to live through the, to the Holy Spirit and all the things that God gives and God provides. It's not a void that we need. It's a closeness to the Lord that we need. Amen? Amen? No? This is an all-inclusive command. Number one, be filled with the Spirit. All-inclusive command. The Spirit-filled life was not just for a select few. The Spirit-filled life was not limited to the apostles or to some clergy. It was, we don't believe in cessation. We're not cessationists. We don't believe that the Holy Spirit was, was given to those on the day of Pentecost, and then it was not given anymore to the church. We believe that every believer today, all of these generations later, removed from Acts chapter 2, can be filled with the Spirit, and every believer can walk in the fullness of the Spirit. Every single one of us. So it's an all-inclusive command. Every believer can be filled. Each of us has the right and each of us has the responsibility to experience the fullness of the Holy Spirit. And that does not come, that does not come, the fullness of the Holy Spirit does not come through, and it should not come through, uh, through some, uh, what, some perceived high emotional experience. Some people believe, you know something, if I'm not in this place where I'm almost emotionally removed from myself, I can't receive the fullness of the Spirit or the baptism in the, in the Holy Spirit. That's not the way it works, friends. That's not the way it works. Sometimes the Holy Spirit comes in the most quietness and the stillness of the situation, and you're filled to an overflowing, and you're continued to be filled. Life in the Spirit, and we need to, to, to embrace it. It's an all-inclusive command. The command to be filled with the Spirit contains promises or provisions also. When God issues a command, the fulfillment of that command is always possible. God doesn't say, go and do X, Y, and Z, and then he doesn't make it possible for X, Y, and Z to be accomplished. That's not the way it works. If it were impossible for us to live a life in the fullness of the Spirit, we would not have been commanded to do it. We would not have been commanded to do it. So I can walk as a pastor, and you can walk as, as a believer. You can walk, all of us as believers, in the fullness of the Spirit because it contains promise and it contains a provision. To be filled with the Spirit enables us to walk in wisdom rather than in foolishness. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 15 tells us this, that we should not be unwise, but we should walk with wisdom. The Holy Spirit gives us a sure-footedness as we walk through the dangers of this world, and He enables us... A life in the fullness of the Spirit enables us to walk with wisdom. He enables us to talk with wisdom. He enables us to re respond to the difficulties of life with, with wisdom. 
I uh, had a conversation with an individual a few months ago now, but five, six months ago, and, and they were going through some personal renewal and personal renewing times. This is one of the areas that they were focusing on. It's a fellow, fellow worker, a fellow pastor, and the pastor's in, in Ontario now, and talking about how he was recommitting, him, recommitting himself to the fullness of the Spirit and the walking in the Spirit. And this is one of the things that he highlighted to me. He says, Lindsay, you know, he says, since I have made a fresh commitment to the fullness of the Spirit, one of the things I have found is that this little muscle between my ears has been brought into subjection. It's been brought under control. Sometimes we think, you know, that the only outworking of the fullness of the Spirit is, a, is the gifts of the Spirit. That's important. I'm going to get to that in a few moments. But you know, when the Spirit comes and we're full of the Spirit and we walk in the fullness of the Spirit day by day, we walk in wisdom. We walk in wisdom. And we operate in wisdom. We operate our finances with wisdom. We operate our relationships with wisdom. We talk and we respond to situations with wisdom. And who amongst us here doesn't need a little more of that? Amen? Come on now. Don't look at the person next to you. Look in the mirror. <laughs> right? I know you're thinking about that person behind me. They need more wisdom. So I hope they're full of the Spirit. We look at our own selves. I look at my own self. I need wisdom every day. Walk in wisdom rather than walking with foolishness. Amen. To be filled with the Spirit is to recognize and see spiritual opportunities. Again, Ephesians 5 and 50, making the most of every opportunity. To be filled with the Spirit enables us to recognize open doors of opportunity for spiritual service. And to make, it makes one sensitive uh, to the heart hunger of others. It makes us sensitive to the art hunger of others. We had a challenge yesterday morning from Brother, Brother Pike. He talked about the Navy SEALs and he talked about their motto. And he talked about their motto was the mission and the men around me and then finally me. The mission, the men around me, and then finally me. You know the old, old saying, God first and, and others second and me last? That's basically what the mission of all the Navy SEALs are and the motto of the Navy SEALs are. When we are filled with the Spirit... And when we walk daily in the fullness of the Spirit, it's not just about me. It's not just about my advancement. It's not just about my needs. But we see the mission. We see the necessity of the mission. We see the necessity of being sold out to the mission. And we see others around us. And we see spiritual opportunities. One of the reasons I believe is that we have become so self-centered as a society and even so self-centered as a church sometimes is that we have not, we're not walking in the fullness of the Spirit. If we were, we would see the necessity of others around us more than ourselves. I, I, I really struggle in this area. I struggle as a pastor. I struggle as a spiritual leader in our world today because I am seeing self-centeredness taking over. I'm seeing it taking over in the church. As long as I have my way and as long as I'm comfortable and as long as everything works out for me, you won't hear from me, Pastor. But as soon as my feet are trod on, as soon as my toes are crunched a little bit, you're going to hear from me. The fullness of the Spirit means, when we walk in the fullness of the Spirit means that we'll be sold out to the mission and we'll see spiritual opportunities for reaching out for Christ to others around us. Amen? You know, you, you know this. Some of you know this. You know it. You, you experience it every day. You experience it as you walk in the fullness of the Spirit. You look around and you see someone. You pass them on the road or you see them in the community or you're in prayer and faces are brought before you. That's walking in the fullness of the Spirit. And you're seeing the necessity of praying for others and of reaching out to others and ministering to others. To walk in the fullness of the Spirit, again, the promises and the provision means seeing spiritual opportunity. To be filled with the Spirit is to understand and find the will of God. 
It's to understand and find the will of God. Paul says in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 17, we should walk circumspectly, not as fools, redeeming the time because the days are evil. If you would discover and do God's will every single day, the Holy Spirit will be your leader. Amen. He'll be your leader. And he'll guide you to do God's will. Not foolish things. Not, not wasting our time, but redeeming our days because the days in which we live are evil. And we need the fullness of the Spirit to redeem every single moment of every single day. Praise God. I, uh, I, I'm, I'm working with a, an individual. We run a, I run a small group for pastors. Uh, and I, I'm, a part of a, I'm a part of it. It's one of my roles as, as a presbyter. And I'm, I'm working with a, with, a, with a small group. And this past, uh, past about a year and a half ago, we brought in an individual into the group that wasn't a part of our, our group who was really struggling. And you know, it's, it's okay to admit that we're going through struggling times. This individual was a pastor with us one time, was ministering with us one time. I asked his permission. I'm not going to name him, but I asked his permission to use uh, this illustration. And he said, yes, do it. He said, because I didn't realize I was in such a trap. Didn't realize I was in such a trap. You know, there's, a, there's an app that you can get. You've got an iPhone. You've got, I don't know if it's on Android or not, but there's an app that you can get that monitors your screen time. In your screen time on your phone. Anybody ever hear of that and see it? You know, you could get it for some time now. I think it's a part of the latest upgrade that Apple did. I'm not sure, but, but you've had this app for some time now. And one of the things we noticed is an accountability group that he was spending a lot of time on his cell phone. Don't everybody raise your hand there this morning if you're in that same boat. But, you know, you know, come on now. Nobody smiles because most of us are. <laughs> come on, right? After two weeks, after two weeks of monitoring screen time, we discovered that he was spending 19 hours, 19 hours a week in front of the screen. 19 hours a week in front of the screen. And we took him to task on it. We took him to task. And after a little bit of wrangling and a little bit of, <laughs> it's not always easy to hold people accountable. Have you ever figured that out? I have. <laughs> after a little bit of wrangling, we got him to give us his cell phone. <laughs> now, boy, I tell you right now, it's almost like the extension of some people's arms. <laughs> you know, give a cell phone. Two weeks later, without that cell phone, he came back. Now, if I could tell you the transformation, if I, can, if I can explain to you the transformation in that person's life just in two weeks, it's almost unbelievable. People are walking foolishly. Walking, and we're wasting time. That's an example in one area. That's one area. And we need to hear it this morning. The church needs to hear it. And if we can hear it and do something about it, friends, we'll walk with wisdom. The Holy Spirit, if the Holy Spirit is pricking us in that area and he's guiding us down a road in that area we need to listen that's a part of the fullness of the spirit not wasting our time but redeeming our time redeeming our time we are called to be agents of reconciliation we're not called to waste our time in things that we ought not to be wasting our time in and that's a part again of walking in the fullness of the spirit i didn't expect any amens there and don't want you to do it i don't want you to do it but i'm telling you the truth I'm telling you the truth this morning. We understand and find the will of God when we walk in the fullness of the Spirit. To be filled with the Spirit is to experience an inward joy that, that, that issues in praise to God or results in praise to God. An inward joy that results in praise to God. Amen? Gratefulness and thankfulness, verse, verse 19. When we're filled with the Spirit, there's a joy that comes up within us that we won't need. We won't need the life in the small spirit, you know? The fake spirits to fill us in. The Spirit of God will fill us with joy. Joy unspeakable and full of glory. We experienced it here this morning as we worship the Lord.
And we begin to draw into his presence. And the spirit began to move. The Holy Spirit began to speak. Some of you were spoken to here this morning. And he, he touched your heart and he guided you in different ways. This is a joy that comes from a life in the spirit. We ignore it and we ignore it at our own peril. Now I'll say this also. I'll say this. If, we have, if you're a born again believer here this morning. And you, and you love the Lord. And you're walking with a drabness in your spirit. And you're not experiencing the fullness of, of, of the joy of the Lord. Could it be, and you ask yourself this question, could it be that you are not continually being filled with the Spirit, but you are continually being filled with things of the flesh, and you're trying to substitute the life of the Spirit with the things of the flesh? If there's no joy, if there's no joy this morning, you need to, we need to ask ourselves the question, what are we filling ourselves with? What are we filling ourselves with? That's a difficult question, but it's one that needs to be asked. To be filled with the Spirit is to be grateful and thankful. Verse 20 says, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. A spirit-filled person is learning every day to be thankful and to be grateful. Praise God. Even when the blessed dog pulls you down over the cliff, you've got to be thankful and grateful that you didn't get killed. I didn't split open my skull. <laughs> I'm still here this morning. Come on now. Right? And it's so easy to be critical. It's so easy to be negative. It's so easy to fall into fault-finding. It's so easy to be subdued by these devices of the enemy, but to be filled with the Spirit means that we are thankful and that we are grateful, praise God. And the Holy Spirit enables us to have a positive mental attitude in all circumstances that come our way because we know that He's sovereign over us. He's sovereign over us. His plans are still to prosper. He has not forgotten us. The Holy Spirit, every day as we are filled with the Spirit and we are renewed in a life of the Spirit, He reminds us of that. Amen? And every lie of the enemy can be put right where it deserves to be put, under our feet. Life in the Spirit. To be filled with the Spirit is to be mutually helpful to one another. It's to be mutually helpful to one another. The Bible says we are to submit to one another in the fear of the Lord. A Spirit-filled life means that we're in it together. We're walking together and we're doing it together. We're doing church together. We're doing life together. And we will be supportive of, of one another. It is God's will that we build one another up. It is God's will that we, that we uh, encourage one another. It is God's will through a life in the Spirit that we have creative relationships. And we walk in the fullness of the Spirit. And we are commanded to bear one another's burdens. And all of us can say amen to that, right? Now, what is the filling of the Spirit? What is the filling of the Spirit? What is the fullness of the Spirit? We're not empty containers. We're not empty containers. No, we're not. And the Holy Spirit is not a substance like water or gravel or sand to fill up this empty container. We've established many times from this pulpit, and you've heard it many times, you've heard it a couple of times already in this short series, that the Holy Spirit is a divine person. He's not an it He's not a substance. He's a divine person. And to be full of the Spirit means to be controlled by the Spirit, to be influenced by the Spirit. He is the coach, if you want to use a sports analogy, who calls the plays, and we are the players who play the game. He's the coach who calls the plays, and we're the players who fulfills the game plan. We are the instruments, but he's the artist. Amen? He's the artist. We are the instrument. We're Chris's guitar. But the Holy Spirit was in Chris's place this morning. He plays the instrument. So you and I have to be uh, in subjection to being played. <laughs> you want to use that kind of a, of a talk. We have to say, Lord, you call the play and I'll do it. So a life in the Spirit means I will be influenced by the Spirit. I will walk in the Spirit. And I will be instructed 
by the Holy Spirit. We are the tools, if you want to use this kind of, some of you are into carpentry here this morning. We are the tools, but he's the craftsman. He's the craftsman. He's the craftsman. I've got tools hung up in my, in my shed, and, and I wouldn't know how to build a house, not if my life depended on it. But the Holy Spirit knows every nail, where to drive it. And he knows every cut. And he knows every angle. He knows what's plumb and what's not plumb. So walking in the fullness of the Spirit means that we are in subjection to Him. To be filled with the Spirit is to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. Acts 1 and 8. You're taking notes, you, you read Acts 1 and 8. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Power for witnessing, power for works of service. To be filled with the Spirit is to be taught by the Spirit. If you want to read about the work of the Holy Spirit, apart from the book of Acts, you read John 14 and 15 and 16, and you'll get a great foundation for the work of the Spirit. Being taught by the Spirit. The Bible says He is our teacher who teaches us what is in line with the Word of God, who teaches us uh, what we, how we had to behave and how we should be conducting ourselves. To be filled with the Spirit is to be guided by the Spirit. Again, John 16 and 13. You're living a Spirit-filled life. You're guided every day by the Spirit of God, by the Holy Spirit. To be filled with the Spirit is to reap the harvest of the Spirit. What is the harvest of the Spirit? It is the fruit of the Spirit. We have it there in Galatians 5, and 23. When you're walking in the fullness of the Spirit, you will be full of love and joy and peace and long-suffering and gentleness and meekness. And self-control. Amen? These are the fruit of the Spirit. It's a byproduct that flows out of a Spirit-filled life. Again, again, if there's no self-control, again, if there is no joy, if there's no meekness, the Spirit-filled life is not being lived out as it ought to be lived out. And we're not full of the Spirit as we ought to be full of the Spirit. To pro the proper use of the gifts of the Spirit. Now, we jump to this one right away, and this is usually the first one on the list when we talk about being filled with the Spirit. Well, the gifts of the Spirit have to be in operation. But I put the other ones first, because uh, not because the gifts are not important, but because we jump, first of all, to the gifts. But I want to say, a Spirit-filled person does operate in the gifts of the Spirit. <laughs> a Spirit-filled church does operate and desire the gifts of the Spirit. Now, Paul gives us a list in Corinthians. He also gives us a list in Romans, and we get the nine in Corinthians. We get the, I think it's five or six listed in, in Romans, and sometimes we think, well, if we could have these gifts, then these gifts will be the fulfillment of the work of the Spirit in the church. Listen, that's not an exhaustive list. We have the spoken gifts there. We, we have the prophetic gifts. We have the administration gifts, but it's not an exhaustive gift, list of gifts. You've heard me say before, and I think I'm on firm ground in saying this. There are as many gifts of the Spirit that can be at work in the body of Christ as there are needs. As there are needs. So you can't exhaust the gifts of the Spirit. This morning, again, I witnessed the gift of the Spirit in operation in the foyer before I came in church. <gasps> what? A gift in operation in the foyer. Yes, I witnessed it. An individual walked over to someone that hasn't been here for a number of Sundays, wrapped their arms around them and said, I sure miss you. You haven't been at worship. I sure miss you. I love you and I'm praying for you. I want to encourage you. And the gift of the Spirit was an operation of encouragement. And I said, thank you, Lord. I got a good sermon illustration for this morning. The gifts need to be in operation. And we need to be praying every day, Lord, what gift do you want me to function in today? Listen, the gifts of the Spirit are not are not, are not leveled to, are not subjected to just tongues and interpretation. In fact, in fact, the most accurate use of tongues 
in the body of Christ, and Paul backs me up in this area, is in a prayer language, not in a public exhortation. Prophecy and, and, and other gifts are, are to be desired, more, more importantly, for public, public exhortation, although tongues does have its place. But Paul had to speak to the Corinthian church in this area because they were so focused on that, and they, and they were so narrowed in that area. And I think maybe we might be going down that dangerous road too. And we neglect some of the other gifts and if, as long as we have tongues and as long as interpretation and tongues are at work, then we're okay. That's a very narrow, narrow view of the gifts of the Spirit. The fullness of the Spirit means that the full aspect of the gifts are at work in the body of Christ. And can I get someone to say amen to that? Right? That's very important. Proper use. And can I, can I encourage you and can I encourage us all to, to pray for the fullness of the Spirit in our lives? And can I encourage you to pray for the fullness of the gifts of the Spirit to be at work in my life? And in your life. I'll pray for you. You pray for me. Would you do that? We need it. We need it. The church needs it. Our community needs the fullness of the Spirit. We need the fullness of the Spirit. Empowered. Being taught. And guided. And reaping the harvest. And the proper use of the gifts. We need it to be a healthy church. Let's, let's narrow it in there. And finish it up this morning. How can we experience the fullness of a Spirit-filled life? How can we experience the fullness of the Spirit-filled life? We are, to accept, we are to accept the fullness of the Spirit-filled life by faith. The Bible tells us in Galatians chapter 3 and verse 14, the response we make to receiving Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior is the same response we make to receiving the Holy Spirit. The fullness of the Spirit does not come, does not come to us as some kind of a reward for spiritual excellence. If I can tick off this mark, and if I can do this, and if I can do that, and if I can achieve this, then I'll walk in the fullness of the Spirit. That's not the way it works. That's equivalent to salvation by works. You're a born-again believer here this morning. You love Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You can receive the fullness of the Spirit, and you can walk in the fullness of the Spirit. Come on, God's people should say amen. The fullness of the Spirit does not come as a result of some long term or long program self-denial and self-discipline although the fullness of the spirit will not be evident in someone who is a dirty vessel but it doesn't come as a result of a long-term self-denial if i can go and live on a rock somewhere and i can starve myself after death and i'll receive the fullness of the spirit that's not the way it works it's available to the use so ever will and those who are born again believers. To experience the fullness of the Spirit, we need to present our bodies to the Lord as living sacrifices. Romans tells us this in Romans chapter 12, 1 and 2. We are to recognize and respond fully to the truth that the Holy Spirit has come to dwell in these bodies in which we live. And my body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. And I am to treat it that way. <laughs> I am to treat it that way. Yes, I am. Yes, I am. I am the temple. So therefore, there is no room in my life. If I'm going to walk in the fullness of the Spirit, there's no room for a hidden agenda on my part. There's no room for hatred. You're going to have the fullness of the Spirit, and you're going to have hatred in your heart towards a brother or a sister. There's no room for the fullness of the Spirit for someone who's carrying unforgiveness and hurt and pain that leads to bitterness. It has to be dealt with. It has to be released. And we have to pray for a release, and we have to give it to God, and we have to apply the teachings of scriptures in these areas. We have to offer forgiveness and we have to put aside our agenda and we have to say, Lord, your will be done, not my will. I wholly give myself to your purposes, Lord. I give my life to your purposes. And I'll let go of my agenda. I'll let go of my unforgiveness. I'll let go of the hidden things that nobody can see, but the Holy Spirit sees them. 
The Holy Spirit sees the hidden mess in our lives. And if we have these things that we're hiding and harboring, and still we expect to walk in the fullness of the Spirit and to operate in the fullness of the Spirit, we're kidding ourselves. We're kidding ourselves. It doesn't work that way. How can we experience the fullness of the Spirit? We need to confess and forsake every sin that the Holy Spirit reveals. He's a master revealer. And as time goes by in your life, if you pray for the fullness of the Spirit, as time goes by, the Holy Spirit will give you a spiritual x-ray from time to time. And His x-ray will reveal your motives. He will reveal our actions. And He will reveal those things that, that are not characteristic and not acceptable to God and His kingdom. And He will put them in front of us. As we are to be conformed into the image of our master. And as we are conformed into the image of our master. The Holy Spirit does art surgery as it is needed. And we comply. And we walk with holiness. And we are in agreement with God. And we experience the cleansing and the forgiving. And the deep touch of the spirit. And the natural man dies. And the spiritual man rises up. Amen. And God's people should say amen to that. Less of me and more of you. Less of my agenda and more of the spirit's agenda. The Spirit-filled life is a life in which we deliberately abide in God. And we abide in His will. And we allow His will to fill us. And we allow the fullness of His glory to fill us. And we are shaped into His image day by day. Praise God. And we walk then in the fullness, in the fullness of the Spirit as we walk down and journey down these roads. I believe with all my heart. I believe with all my heart. It is a, it is a doctrine of Scripture. And it is a doctrine of our fellowship of which I am pleased to abide by and pleased to preach. I believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the initial evidence of speaking in other tongues. I believe it. I believe it. But if that's all the far we go, friends. If that's all the far we go, if you receive the baptismal experience through speaking in other tongues somewhere along the road of your life and you have not walked in the fullness of the Spirit since that, if you have not walked in these points that I've talked about here this morning since that, then you are grieving the Holy Spirit. You're grieving Him. You're grieving Him. And I caution you in those areas today. As your pastor, I caution you in those areas. Let's land. Let's land the ship. The fullness of the Spirit within us may be lost if we fail to nurture our spiritual lives. The Holy Spirit is like a dove. The fullness of the Spirit may be lost if we allow other things to occupy our lives. It is God's will that you not only be saved, but it is God's will that you be filled with the Spirit. Amen. The Spirit-filled life is a part of your birthright as a child of God. It's a part of your birthright. And it is your privilege and responsibility to be filled every day with the Spirit. To be continually filled. Don't get drunk with wine. Don't fill your lives, your lives with things that don't really add up and don't really fill the void. Trust the Lord and walk in the fullness of the Spirit. Amen? Praise God. Would you bow your heads with me? Spirit move. Chris, you know that song? Spirit move in your temple. Spirit move in my life. Spirit move, I am calling. Spirit, move. I am here. Now, if you, some way or another, through the journey of life, you've negated or lost the fullness of the Spirit, and you're not walking 
in the fullness of the Spirit. And you know that this morning. I would encourage you today. Under God, I would encourage you as your pastor today to yield yourself. To yield yourself. Exercise faith this morning. To yield yourself joyfully to God's purposes. And allow Him to accomplish His will through you. That everything that does not belong, does not belong in the life of a believer, let it be come to nothing. Let it be just cast aside. You need to forgive somebody this morning, forgive them. You need to, you need to get yourself in gear and, and, and move away from things that are, that are false intoxicants in your life. I mentioned, by way of illustration, technology. So many people are worshiping at the altar of technology today. It is a small g God, and let's just call it what it is. You need to move away from those things which are just false intoxicants. To move away from them today. Make a decision. Make a decision to put them in their proper place. To put them in their proper place. You have bitterness and unforgiveness in your heart. Make a decision to let it go. Make a decision this morning. I encourage you to make a decision to take responsibility for your spiritual walk. I have people that say to me sometimes, Pastor, you know, not walking in the fullness of the Spirit because the altar call wasn't long enough on Sunday night. We didn't sing enough courses on Sunday morning. The atmosphere wasn't there. Friends, that's such a narrow, immature view of the fullness of the Spirit. You hear what I said? That's a narrow, immature view of the fullness of the Spirit. If that's all that the fullness of the Spirit is, and I've got nothing against, nothing against an extended time of praise and worship. I've got nothing against altar times. You know that. (laughs) I've been here long enough to know that you know that. But if that's all that it is, if that's all that it is, and then we can go out, well, I've got my fix for the week. I'm walking in the fullness of the Spirit. That's not the fullness of the Spirit. And Paul says we are to be filled every day. We are to be filled every day. We are to be filled when the worship service and the worship times are really in tune with where we are. We are to be filled when we're really not connecting, you know, but I'm still trusting God. We are to be filled during the long and extended altar times and prayer times. We are to be filled when there is no altar time. We are to be filled when there there is just a dismissal. (laughs) If you want to look at it from that narrow perspective, it is immature. It is immature. And I encourage you to be mature this morning. I encourage you to take responsibility for the fullness of the Spirit in your life. You're here this morning. You're a born-again believer. You are to walk.